This is Guns and Butter. And the lid on this was blown off uh, finally when Raymond Davis was caught in that fashion, right in the middle of a um, busy marketplace. And uh, then uh, there was a hue and cry. The nation got together. The nation was alarmed because now it exposed that the American relationship can be just simply uh, described as you scratch my back and I stab yours. Now that's the that's the kind of feeling that uh, now exists in Pakistan, that Americans want us to help them in winning wars for them, because they have gotten used to Pakistan doing the yeoman's work. They've got the Soviet Union defeated at the hands of Afghan nation and, and Pakistani support, and now they want to, to wanted to win another war with the help of uh, Pakistan, even though it it was at cross-purposes with the uh, national and security interests of Pakistan. I'm Bonnie Faulkner. Today on Guns and Butter, General Hamid Ghul. Today's show, The Way Forward for U.S.-Pakistan Relations. General Ghul had a brilliant 36-year military career in the Pakistan Army. At the height of his military career, it was expected that he would be promoted to the position of Chief of the Army Staff. But due to political pressures from abroad, he was not selected, and as a result, he resigned from the Army and is now retired. The highest attainment of his long and distinguished career was his Command of Inter-Services Intelligence, ISI, from 1987 to 1989, during the fateful period of Afghan jihad against the Soviet occupation of that country. General Ghul faced down riot police when they tried to arrest him at a rally outside the Supreme Court in Islamabad, protesting against attempts to dismiss the Chief Justice. He has written hundreds of columns mostly for Urdu Press of Pakistan, but also for the English readership within Pakistan and abroad. General Hami Ghul, welcome again. Thank you, Oni. Uh, today's program is focused on recent events and developments in Pakistan. What is the background of Pakistan's relationship with the United States? What is your country's compact with America? Well, I think right from the beginning, Pakistan was a small state, poor state, and uh, India was a very large entity, political as well as military. And Pakistan felt threatened because uh, India had never accepted the act of uh, partition of the subcontinent, which is South Asia. And they wanted Pakistan to be gobbled up. Uh, and unfortunately, the British, British had left uh, a legacy of discord in shape of Kashmir, over which we have now gone to war three times with India. And as a result, India has cut Pakistan to half. One is now Bangladesh, the other is Pakistan. So really, from the beginning, Pakistan had a security uh, syndrome. It is a hang-up about security of uh, uh, physical security against India. So Pakistan needed uh, some kind of an international uh, support and, and a backup support. America was uh, ready because they wanted to, at that time, uh, carry out encirclement of the Soviet-Chinese bloc, and they found Pakistan a very handy ally at that time. That was the era of uh, Eisenhower and, I think, uh, uh, Foster Dulles, who was his uh, Secretary of State. 
he his Dalit doctrine of encirclement. I think that uh, for that Pakistan mattered very much, and Pakistan went into Baghdad Pact and then Central Sito, uh, what, what was the non Sito and Cento. Uh, uh, these were the pacts that Pakistan went into. So Pakistan became a very staunch ally of America. And ever since then, we have been sticking to the American heels for good or bad. And uh, there have been periods in which we have come closer. There have been periods when we have been pulled apart and American sanctions have made our life miserable. But uh, on the whole, this relationship continued. Blow hot, blow cold as it was, but it continued. But uh, now it appears, and especially the, the, the closest that we ever got was during Zialak's time when uh, we uh, supported the uh, Afghan effort to resist uh, Soviet Union occupation. And uh, Americans came in a year and a half after uh, we had already stopped the Russians in their tracks in Afghanistan. Pakistan did it on its own, although it's much talked about that the uh, CIA and others supported, but CIA never wanted because uh, it was uh, Jimmy Carter who was the president then, and he announced a very small package of $400 million for Pakistan. Before that, Pakistan was under sanction of America. and But at that time, uh, Ziaul Haq uh, uh, called it peanuts, and he rejected that uh, economic aid from America. And because Jimmy Carter came from Alabama, so this became a joke, peanuts. He said it's peanuts, and we don't accept this. But then, uh, obviously, Americans were keen, and when they saw that the Soviet Union had actually been uh, stopped in Afghanistan by the efforts of Afghans themselves, the Mujahideen, and that Pakistan's covert support in a very small manner was uh, uh, very helpful to them. So Americans came in. I think uh, it was Brzezinski who first came, and he saw the resolve in Raul Haq and his regime, and he saw the efforts of the Afghan Mujahideen, the resistance, and then he decided to come in for help. And so first budget uh, from America, which came, I mean, first uh, amount of package of money, that was no more than $50 million, and that was in uh, 1st of October, which is the budget day of uh, United States. It was passed $50 million in all, and it trickled down slowly, gradually, and then went on increasing uh, until the total expenditure on this war over 10 years was no more than $5 billion for America. So it it was a very, very cheap war for America because Pakistan paid the price, huge price, because the Russians would bomb the Pakistani cities. They would come in with suicide bombers. At that time, they were not suicide bombers. They were the, the planted bombs. And they used to play the havoc with Pakistani cities. Balochistan uh, insurgency also was going apace, and uh, Soviet Union and the communist government in Kabul, they harbored the Baloch dissidents. And this was a sort of very... Uh, terrible years for Pakistan, but at the same time we came out because we were successful. We were able to throw the, the Soviet Union out, and as a result, Soviet Union uh, split apart. And Pakistan's role in making America the sole superpower cannot be washed away from the history, although they say much about CIA, etc. But I know I was in charge of the ISI at that time, and the CIA was only logistic provider they did nothing else. This was war was fought by the Afghans, primarily with their blood and with their guts and uh, Pakistani support and help. 
uh, of which I was a main character, the only living character now available. So I can tell the narrate the story, which is a very fascinating, interesting story. So this is the story of Pakistan. Now, as soon as the uh, Soviet Union went out, at that time, too, the debate started because the Americans wanted a secular government to be installed in Afghanistan. And so they didn't want Mujahideen to go, who had made such large sacrifices. 1.3 million Afghans were killed in that war, and uh, nearly 5 million Afghans were put out of their homes, and they became refugees either mostly in Pakistan, but also in Iran and elsewhere in the world. So this, this was... Uh, a war which actually Pakistan can rightly take credit for, um, apart from the Afghan, and in America became the sole superpower. But as soon as Russians pulled out, they decided to ditch the Mujahideen, drop them out of hand like a hot brick, and uh, Pakistan was left holding the baby. So the aftermath of that particular uh, mistake, or you can say that particular blunder, it has led to the present-day crisis, and now Americans had to come in themselves. I don't think there was a need for them to come, because 9-11 was a criminal act, and to wage a global war on the pretext of 9-11 is totally unthinkable. I mean, I really don't know why American people had to pay now almost $2.5 trillion for this war, which is still ongoing, and there are a lot of people who still want to carry on. So the relationship of Pakistan, and Pakistan has always been, you know, the whipping boy. Every time the Americans felt that uh, there was no need for Pakistan, because I think uh, Richard Armitage, who was the uh, Deputy Secretary for State for uh, Bush administration, uh, in March of 2001, I think he made a very epic statement in Delhi. He said that our relationship with Pakistan is based on our need, but with India it is a natural relationship. And they went into a compact with India, which is our arch rival enemy, and India is aggressive and wants to undo Pakistan. Uh, it is violating the human rights in Kashmir. It is doing everything that you can imagine, and Pakistan will never tolerate and accept uh, India's domination or hegemony, but Americans somehow have, even when India was in the Soviet camp at that time, they had soft corner for India, and Pakistan was being used, as you can say, as a rent-a-country type of uh, relationship with us, because uh, our economic uh, needs uh, we were not uh, able to maintain a huge uh, military machine without uh, outside assistance and American weapons and so on, although we had to pay through our nose. So this uh, relationship has never been a, a really natural relationship uh, because Americans uh, suspected Pakistan's Islamic credential and they started suspecting Pakistan's nuclear uh, nuclearization, uh, the nuclear program. It's not because the Americans want this so. I think it is the Israelis who are uh, fearful of Pakistan or any Islamic country acquiring nuclear weaponry. And it is now India's ambition. So this uh, duo of Israel-India combination, which is now in a strategic compact with America, I think this is responsible for all the problems that are happening in this region from Middle East to South Asia. 
And uh, unless Americans can rid themselves of uh, this menace, uh, we will continue to have um, trouble here in this region, particularly in South Asia. Kashmir has to be put out of the way, and Americans are wrongfully at a wrong time and wrong against a wrong enemy at a wrong time and a wrong place. They are now involved in Afghanistan. The sooner they go out, the better it will be. Our relationship will get on the even keel. Uh, only when the Americans go out and India is somehow uh, pressurized by the world community to give a democratic, uh, fair dispensation on the Kashmir issue. Uh, that's the way to go, Bonnie. Uh General Gould, let's talk about some very specific recent events in Pakistan. In January, Raymond Davis, a CIA contractor, shot dead two men in Lahore who he said were attempting to rob him. He was arrested on charges of murder but was released and left the country in mid-March, prompting violent protests in several cities. Weren't the two murdered men later identified as ISI who were tailing Davis? And what do you think Davis was up to? Well, Davis was uh, found to be mapping uh, Pakistan's nuclear assets, and he was trying to foment sectarian uh, clashes within Pakistan. And uh, he was part of a very large network, uh, which was uh, responsible, and now they accept that uh, in Abbottabad they had a uh, safe house, uh, hired very close to the so-called uh, Osama's compound, and they were watching them from August 2010 onwards. So uh, really Raymond Davis is the tip of the iceberg. Raymond Davis is just a case in point because by coming into coalition with Pakistan, they started spreading their own tentacles, parallel network. Instead, they were seeking intelligence cooperation from Pakistan, but from day one, they wanted to spread their tentacles inside Pakistan, their intelligence network. And the lid on, on, of this was blown off, uh, finally, uh, when Raymond Davis was caught in that fashion, right in the middle of a um, busy marketplace. And uh, then uh, there was a hue and cry. The nation got together. The nation was alarmed because now it exposed that the American relationship can be just simply... Uh, described as you scratch my back and I stab yours. Now that's the that's the kind of feeling that uh, now exists in Pakistan, that Americans want us to help them in winning wars for them, because they got have gotten used to Pakistan doing the yeoman's work. They uh, got the Soviet Union defeated at the hands of Afghan nation and, and Pakistani support, and now they want to, to wanted to win another war with the help of uh, Pakistan, even though it it was at cross-purposes with the uh, national and security interests of Pakistan. I'm speaking with former head of Pakistani Inter-Services Intelligence, General Hamid Ghul. Today's show, The Way Forward for U.S.-Pakistan Relations. I'm Bonnie Faulkner. This is Guns and Butter. Now, in this case, it appears that Raymond Davis was out to a pluck out our nuclear assets. Uh, I mean, he would provide the uh, necessary information for that, for which uh, General McChrystal and uh, Special Operation Forces, uh, they are deployed inside Pakistan, sometimes in the garb of the security contractors. 
and uh, sometimes they even openly mail around as trainers. So this is the situation which which is very alarming for Pakistan. That every time you find an opportunity, you stab Pakistan in the back. So how can this relationship uh, go on? It's uh, it's a very strange thing. We are a nation of 180 million people. We have a geographical location which nobody can do without. Uh, yesterday it was Soviet Union. Now it is America, and tomorrow it will be probably China, who would be interested in its location, strategic location. Then uh, Pakistan provides the gateway to Central Asia. And there are many other reasons because of which Pakistan is a very important country. So you can't uh, treat Pakistan uh, as a doormat on which you can just wipe your dirty boots and then go away. This, this is the kind of feeling that pervades in Pakistani nation. And Americans have got to make the amend because they are the aggressors. They are the ones who have initiated this kind of a feeling. They uh, drop us uh, as soon as their job is done, and then they slap sanctions on us. So Pakistani nation, I'm talking about my individual person. Uh, we were very good friends of America. I'm, when I say American, uh, don't please uh, understand that we don't like the American people. In fact, we like them very much because American people are so innocent, so good, so humane. But there is some dark impulse in the American policy making, which gives us problem. And I personally feel that American people are gradually becoming irrelevant to the decision-making or policy-making, especially with regard to foreign policy. Uh, their vote does not count. Somebody else comes and rides over their policies, like Israel, like India. First it was only Israel. Now India is acquiring a larger-than-life image uh, in American policy-making. So this is uh, David Raymond Davis actually exposed the whole thing. The nation was entirely on one side, but uh, administration was so much under American pressure. President Obama had the cheek to go to the to the nation, address the world, that Raymond Davis had diplomatic immunity, which he did not have. Nobody has said so. There is not a shred of evidence that he had diplomatic immunity. Why did President Obama tell a lie at that time? It's strange. The president of America, the sole superpower, telling a lie to the world, exactly like Colin Powell was made to tell a lie about the weapons of mass destruction in the hands of Saddam Hussein. So this kind of relationship, which is based on deceit and deception, and camouflage and subterfuge, this is not going to work. I think this time now, that uh, we rethink and revisit our policies, both Pakistan and, and America. As far as Pakistan is concerned, the National Assembly, a joint house, uh, parliament, as well as the Senate, which sat together, and they passed uh, on the 14th of May a resolution, joint resolution, in which they said we have to revisit our policies uh, of cooperation with America, and we have got to stop the drone attacks, and so on and so forth. So it's not just the question of uh, now... Uh, whether or not uh, we uh, are an ally of America, but we have to see now uh, that our sovereignty has been trampled not once but several times. Only yesterday, a helicopter came into North Pakistan area. It was a NATO helicopter, they say. The American embassy denies it, but everybody on the, the eyewitnesses on the ground, they say, they just arrested five people and took them away to Afghanistan. Can you treat a country like that? We, we are a member of the United Nations. We are a very large country. We are a nuclear power, for heaven's sake. Get some sense into your head. 
And that is what is now making the relationship uh, between America and, and Pakistan uh, increasingly more and more untenable. In a sensational and explosive TV report, the Pakistani news agency has provided a live interview with an eyewitness to the U.S. attack on the alleged compound of Osama bin Laden. The eyewitness, Mohammed Bashir, describes the event as it unfolded. Of the three helicopters, quote, there was only one that landed the men and came back to pick them up. But as the helicopter was picking them up, it blew away and caught fire. The witness says that there were no survivors, just dead bodies and pieces of bodies everywhere. We saw the helicopter burning, we saw the dead bodies, and then everything was removed, and now there is nothing. What is your view of the U.S. claim that it assassinated Osama bin Laden in Abbottabad? Isn't this a Pakistani military garrison city? And what do the Pakistani people think of all of this? I think uh, millions of Pakistanis, all of them, the vast majority, think that this was a badly scripted drama. And it was, uh, if 9-11 was a pretext that they had to create to start the war, now they were looking for a pretext uh, so that uh, they can end the war or at least move towards ending the war. And this would give uh, a sort of great boost to Obama in his re-election campaign, which is due to begin. So this really is, nobody believes this. The population around, the people who live there, this is, this is all a hoax, this is all a joke they have created. And now my own senses from the experience that I have, what I can glean is that I think there was a, an understanding between Pakistani establishment and between the Americans that we will enact a drama of this kind together. Uh, but towards the end, the Americans went on their own, wanted to take the credit, the American military, because which is facing such humiliation in Afghanistan that it wanted some kind of a credit for themselves, particularly people like David Petrius, uh, who has his eye on the White House in the future. So I think uh, you know, this, is, this was a drama which was created. But in the end, uh, they had two objectives, the American raiders. They came in, A, to make sure that the man that they were trying to uh, supposedly kill, that he would not be exposed, that it, it wasn't Osama. And secondly, that uh, if they had asked the ISI to go and capture him, then ISI may reveal the whole story, that uh, this is not, and it may get known. And thirdly, to embarrass the Pakistan Armed Forces and the ISI. Because lately, the General Ahmed Shuja Pasha, after Raymond Davis, uh, when he went and met Leon Pinata, their, their meeting was very bitter one. And he came back. He was supposed to stay there three days, but within 24 hours, he flew back to Pakistan. And also because General Kiani has been resisting Malan's request for transferring Pakistani forces from our eastern border facing India towards the western border. Now, we already have about 147,000 troops deployed in that area, but they kept on saying you have to do more, you have to go into that area. What is the game plan? And I, being a man who has been trained in strategy, 
I feel that eventually when they leave, they want to give a big, assign a big role to India. They want to have Pakistani forces transferred from east, east, eastern border to the western border, where we have had no occasion uh, to even place a single soldier until the Americans came into Afghanistan. Now, even when the Russians were in occupation of Afghanistan, we never had the compulsion to even post one platoon of uh, troopers in, in that area. So you can see that Pakistan will be then, the, the, what, what is being done is that Pakistan to be sandwiched between tomorrow's Afghanistan, whom we would be fighting, and behind our back, India, with whom the Americans want, we should have very friendly relationships so that together we can then uh, face up to China and serve as a bulwark against China. But the reverse is happening because of this, uh, what is happening is that we are being pushed closer and closer into the Chinese camp. Although Chinese are very circumspect, they are very, very careful. I have uh, known them, dealt with, with them at the highest level in the past. And even now I have a lot of friends who are living retired life, but all, nonetheless they are still very important. I know the Chinese are being very, very careful. They do not want to pick up any trouble because they say their slogan is rising peacefully. And surely in the, in the past uh, 10 years, haven't they registered great strides in economic terms, uh, and they're building up their military as well. But they are doing so because America and the Western power is foolishly involved against the Muslim world. What for? For no rhyme or reason. I mean, they, this is a useless war. This is a senseless war that is being fought in Afghanistan. But who gains from this? China gains automatically because China will become a superpower in another few years' time without having to fire a single bullet in anger. So really, Pakistan is being treated very shabbily, very badly by the Americans. And now this drama that has been played to humiliate Pakistan armed forces, its uh, intelligence establishment, in the eyes of its own people. Now this is uh, what is not acceptable. I know people of Pakistan uh, innately, in their heart, they, they know who's the enemy, who's trying to create all this problem. We know, for instance, way back when... Uh, Mr. Uh, Junejo was the Prime Minister and Ziaul Haq was the President in uniform, and uh, Afghanistan uh, was vacated by Soviet Union. Then Americans started creating rift between uh, Mr. Junejo and uh, Ziaul Haq. And Ziaul Haq uh, angrily then fired the assembly, elected his own sort of uh, handiwork, he destroyed it. But uh, after that, Ziaul Haq plane was blown up. Who blew up the plane? Every indication, the inquiry that was conducted, that the Americans blew up the plane. And I will quote you from uh, Nixon's book, In the Arena, page 109. You can read this. Nixon says, quote-unquote, he says that uh, when I heard of Zawlak's plane crash, my thoughts instantly went to a statement made, made by President Ayub Khan of Pakistan once, in a meeting with me, he says, it's dangerous to be friend of America. It pays to be neutral, and sometimes it is even better to be the enemies of America. And then I reflected to myself, why do we Americans discard and destroy our friends after we have used them? It is, it is amazing. This is the kind of mindset that, and this is how it is felt in these countries, maybe in other countries as well. But in Pakistan, it is being felt very, very sharply, very, very painfully, that Americans are not our friends. So it, 
people in Pakistan do not believe that Osama bin Laden was assassinated on May 2nd, do they? They do not. They do not. But as a result, Pakistan, on the one hand, Americans say that Pakistan was harboring Osama bin Laden for the past six years. And on the other, the uh, Indian-trained and inspired Pakistani Taliban, now they have been, they are the sort of, uh, they have been provoked to say, go for Pakistan. If uh, Americans have killed Osama bin Laden, why should they go for Pakistan? Because Pakistan is dubbed as and blamed as um, security provider that, that it harbored and it hid Osama bin Laden for so many years. So why should they go for Pakistani cities and Pakistani military installations, just like uh, Mehran base in Karachi the other day? So really, Pakistan is trapped in a uh, catch-22 situation. Uh, Osama, uh, Pakistanis don't believe that he was killed now. I, they believe that he, was, he died a long time back. And there is a lot of evidence, a lot of other, I don't need to go into that. But one thing specifically I want to tell you is, that there was a cell in Langley, uh, which was specially uh, created to hunt Osama bin Laden. And that cell was formally closed in two early 2005. That is precisely the time when they say that Osama bin Laden started uh, inhabiting that, uh, that house, which is known as Osama Compound. So if they had closed the cell, then what was the need? I mean, they, they spent about $10 million in putting up that uh, watch, uh, watching arrangement around that compound. A lot of money is being wasted on all these things. I think their games are being played, and there are such blatant lies being told. I don't think Osama was, uh, was there in that compound, whoever was there, and you are very right. That helicopter which went down, Black Hawk, uh, do you think that it was not being flown by anyone? There was nobody inside that. Uh, they say there were 79 troopers who went there, Navy SEALs, 79. Now, Black Hawk's capacity, there were two other Black Hawks. How could they carry such a lot of material from the Osama compound as well as the dead bodies? Uh, they don't mention about Osama's son, Khalid. Earlier on, they had sent his son Khalid was also there. Now they're not talking. There's no mention of uh, Osama's son. His, even his burial is not mentioned at all. So what happened to the crew and the passengers of that third aircraft? And can all that 79 plus other material that be carried in two Black Hawks back to Afghanistan? This is some kind of a joke. They think that they, have, they can befool the world. I'm speaking with former head of Pakistani Inter-Services Intelligence, General Hamid Ghul. Today's show, The Way Forward for U.S.-Pakistan Relations. I'm Bonnie Faulkner. This is Guns and Butter. Militants on May 22nd stormed a naval base in Pakistan's largest city, Karachi, triggering a battle with government commandos. Authorities were reporting that perhaps as many as 20 to 25 terrorists had carried out the attack on the Mehran Naval Station in Karachi, the country's largest port. Government officials said two U.S.-supplied surveillance aircraft, P-3C Orions, kept in a hangar at the base had been destroyed in the fighting. Who do you believe was behind this attack? 
Well, the Tariq Taliban Pakistan, as I told you, they are a proxy for India and for America. Uh, they have claimed responsibility for it. Uh, but nobody believes it here. They, they say that uh, uh, this attack was meant basically to deprive Pakistan Navy of its eyes and ears because we had three of them only, and now our uh, capacity to uh, this is called long-range maritime reconnaissance aircraft. Uh, each one of very costly pieces of uh, equipment, and uh, actually it has been reduced to uh, one third our uh, ability to surveil the area. Uh, maybe there is some kind of. Uh, Indian activity in, in the Pakistan territorial water is in the offing. I don't know. But uh, there, there was definitely a purpose because the people who came, they scaled a wall, they cut the wires, and they were carrying walkie-talkies and such special equipment which is found only among the NATO forces in Afghanistan. And uh, there were six American uh, engineers, they say, but now, increasingly, Pakistani people think that the Americans were there to do the inside job. And among them, there may have been some security contractors, intelligence security contractors of America. So there is another uh, speculation which is going on now, that Americans really want to destroy the sting of Pakistan armed forces. Uh, I don't know how far it is true, but one thing is for sure that uh, the beneficiary of this is India. And Americans, we know, are backing India to the hilt. They want to go for our nuclear assets. They want to uh, reduce our ability to countenance uh, uh, India. Uh, WikiLeaks has only two days back, they came out and they said that when F-16s were being sold uh, to Pakistan by the Americans with our money, but at that time, when the Indians raised hue and cry, the Americans quietened them by saying that, look, this will not add to any uh, serious capability of Pakistan, uh, and therefore you needn't worry. We simply want to uh, keep Pakistan from crossing the nuclear threshold in a war against India at any particular time. So that means that uh, America's tilt, heavy tilt towards India, is responsible for much of the destabilization that is going on in Pakistan today. According to an AP report, both the senior leadership of al-Qaeda and the Taliban are thought to live in Pakistan, and affiliated militants use safe havens in Pakistan to attack U.S. forces fighting next door in Afghanistan. We hear a lot about bombings being carried out by, quote, Pakistani Taliban, who are the so-called Pakistani Taliban? Well, Pakistani Taliban are those who uh, actually, ostensibly, they are convinced that Pakistan is supporting the, the, the aggressor in Afghanistan and in Pakistan because as Park Battlefield, after all, Pakistan did not coin this phrase. It was done by the Pentagon, and they said, as Park Battlefield. So that means the aggression is going on on both sides of the Durand line, which is the boundary between Pakistan and Afghanistan. So these people have an argument, and they put up this argument that uh, you are uh, with the aggressors, with the infidels, and they have no business to be in Afghanistan, 
And since you are supporting them, they could not have done this job because from one base alone in Pakistan, 56,000 sorties flew to bomb Afghanistan, Tora Bora, etc., other places. All the bases were used, uh, Pakistani bases were used. And even now, the drone attacks come in from a place called Shamsi, a base in remote Balochistan. And I think Eric Prince has uh, himself uh, revealed that his people, Blackwater, were being used to load these uh, drone aircraft. So uh, these people have a very powerful argument on this side. These are, you must remember that these tribal areas of Pakistan are autonomous. They do not come uh, like the other provinces of uh, Pakistan under the jurisdiction of uh, the Pakistani administration in the same way as the other provinces come. So they have enjoyed a degree of uh, internal freedom. And they resent Pakistan army going in there, but Americans have been arm-twisting us into going into Waziristan, into Bajor, and they've been creating excuses. Now, this drone attack is something which hurts very badly. Now, what happens is that when the drones come and they hit and they kill women and children, and so far... Nearly 2,500 civilians have been killed. According to American claims themselves, there no more than 20 people belong to the Al-Qaeda and their affiliate. So if out of these 2,500, only 20 were Al-Qaeda, according to the American claims, although people locally, they don't believe that, one can safely say that not a single top-ranking Al-Qaeda leader was killed in these drone attacks. Those people who were caught, they were caught from the cities of Pakistan, and they were caught by the ISI. The one man that they wanted to hit, they didn't involve the ISI into it because they didn't want to show what the reality was. But all other, from Khalid Sheikh Mohammed and everybody else, they were caught by the ISI, Pakistani intelligence. Pakistan fully cooperated. But what happens in, with regard to drone attacks is that these people, they have a, a, an honor code, these tribesmen of Pakistan, which is called Pakhtunwali. Pakhtunwali is uh, actually uh, is older than the advent of Islam. And uh, these people have stuck very strongly, very uh, assiduously to their honor code. And one thing in this code, in, the, in this code, one important pillar is taking revenge. Now, when drone attacks come and hit them, and their women are killed, their properties are destroyed, their children are uh, blown to pieces, and their brothers and sisters, they all are uh, likewise, the carnage take place, then they cannot enter their villages and go there. They can't show their face until they have taken the revenge. And they take the revenge against Pakistan. And who supports them? This uh, tons and tons of uh, the gunpowder and ammunition and weapons which are being supplied to them, who is supplying them? Obviously, they are being supplied from across the border by the Afghan intelligence, which is uh, uh, very strongly under the tutelage of uh, the Indian intelligence, and, of course, it has the supervision of the CIA. So uh, one can see that drone attack, it has started a revenge war against Pakistan. Our cities, our bazaars, our shrines I have all been given a bloodbath because of this. So these drone attacks, Pakistan has been always saying, our parliament passed a resolution uh, way back in uh, July 2008, and they said these drone attacks must be stopped. And now another uh, resolution has come up on the 14th of May, 
saying that drone attack must be stopped, otherwise we'll have to block off the NATO supply routes, so on and so forth. But it doesn't seem to have any effect. And Pakistan, as I told you, is being treated like a doormat. And nobody cares about the will of people of Pakistan. In Chicago, Pakistani-Canadian businessman Tawur Reina has been charged with three counts of providing material support to Lashkar-e-Taiba, a Pakistani group accused of being behind the Mumbai terrorist attacks of 2008. Reina is accused of assisting David Headley, an old school friend who was a planner of the attacks. David Headley took the witness stand as the government's first witness against Reina. According to ABC, David Headley worked for the U.S. government as an informant. What is Lakshar-e-Taiba, and was David Headley attempting to set up this group, as well as the Pakistani ISI, for the Mumbai attacks? Well, uh, let me tell you something. That First of all, David Headley's testimony should be uh, taken with a pinch of salt, because he was a double agent. He was playing both sides. He worked for the Drug Enforcement Agency to begin with, and then subsequently he started working for the um, CIA informer. So uh, really, you you don't trust such a man uh, with such a such an important testimony. The second is that as far as uh, Tahavur Rana is concerned, he's supposed to have been only a facilitator, but according to him, he didn't know that it, this was being done. So the chief witness in this case uh, undoubtedly is uh, this man, uh, David Hadley. Uh, and uh, now the Indians are creating hue and cry, and they are trying to involve the ISI. Somebody called Major Iqbal is being mentioned, and they say that he was uh, in touch with this group which carried out the attack in Bombay. Now, I don't know. Uh, this only Pakistan government can say. Whether, but uh, there was a cardinal principle. In my days, when I was heading the ISI, Please do not do anything in India which would bring the Hindu militants wrath against the Muslims, who are already very hapless, very uh, depraved and depressed community, and therefore nothing of this kind must be done. This was a cardinal principle for the ISI. I don't think, I don't believe that ISI could get involved in such a reckless venture. But if there was some Kashmiri group which did this on their own, and Lashkar-e Taiba is, remember, Lashkar-e Taiba is Kashmir-based. It has nothing to do with Pakistan. They used to collect before 2004, 6 July, when all these organizations were banned by Pervez Musharraf. Mr. Bajpai, who was then the Prime Minister of India, he had come to visit uh, Islamabad. And I remember at that time, they used to collect some donations, etc. But those donations were also stopped, and they were told to pack off and go. Uh, but as far as lashkar e taiba is concerned, it has nothing to do with Pakistan. It is based in, basically in Kashmir, uh, and they have branch in, I think, uh, in the Pakistan part of the Kashmir and Indian-occupied Kashmir also. So lashkar e taiba is uh, uh, much chastised as far as Pakistan is concerned, long time back. And this happened in uh, September, was it? Yes, 20, 26th November or September 2006. So I don't think the ISI could possibly be involved with it. But ISI bashing has become a popular sport both with the Indians 
as well as with the Americans. I think this must stop. ICE is a damn good organization. It has helped America rise to this position where it stands today. It has uh, really kept the enemies of Pakistan at bay. So ISI doesn't get involved into such acts. It is headed by a military man, and military does not get itself involved into these kind of matters. So by training, the ISI is not a terrorist uh, sponsoring organization. But unfortunately, the Indian want to demolish the ISI. And I think uh, Mossad would not be um, uh, far behind in um, uh, harboring such ambitions. I'm speaking with former head of Pakistani Inter-Services Intelligence, General Hamid Ghul. Today's show, The Way Forward for U.S.-Pakistan Relations. I'm Bonnie Faulkner. This is Guns and Butter. Now, uh, this from the Los Angeles Times. Death rumors about Mullah Omar appeared to emanate mostly from Afghanistan's main intelligence service, the National Directorate of Security. Its spokesman, Lutfullah Marshall, told reporters in Kabul that Omar had disappeared from Pakistan's Balochistan province, the seat of the Taliban Leadership Council, known as the Quetta Shura, and had not been heard from since. Earlier, Mashal told the Associated Press that Omar was thought to have been transported from his base in the city of Quetta to the tribal region of North Waziristan with the knowledge of Hamid Ghul, a former Pakistani intelligence chief. What can you tell us about this report in the Times? Morning. They they have said that I was transporting him. In fact, it, uh, that uh, I was physically present with him and that he was killed there. Uh, this is nonsense. Uh, this is the kind of false information or disinformation which is which is being put out. And unfortunately, the American uh, policymakers buy such uh, kind of uh, raw, uh, unconfirmed, unprocessed reports. Uh, in the past, also they've been blaming me. Uh, WikiLeaks has uh, reported. Uh, that in 2006, uh, I think October 30th or something like that, I was in Wana. I assembled uh, all the leadership of Taliban as well as Al-Qaeda and gave them the direction that Kabul should be blown up and set fire to Kabul, something like that. Bonnie, I can swear to you, I have risked my life so many times to save that city. I love that city. Uh, because I love that nation, because they are one of the only people left in the world who can stand up and fight for truth. And they are people of great values, and that is why I have such admiration for them. I, in my retired capacity, on three occasions, brought ceasefire in Afghanistan. And when Hikmat Yar and Amal Shah Masood were fighting it out, and I used to shuttle between Ekmanjar's Charasayab base and I used to live with Ahmed Shah Masood in his uh, Wazir Akbar Khan uh, guest house. And on at least half a dozen times, I was very close to dying. You know, I was almost grazed, you know, shaved, very given very close shave. So uh, I cannot ever imagine that. This is all false. This is diabolical nonsense. I reject it completely. And as far as I know, Mullah Omar is not in Pakistan. He is in Afghanistan. He is the man who will always lead from the front. He will never come into hiding. He would go and fight it out there. That's why Afghan people are so much beholden to him, so much adhere to him. And that's why he now 
controls more or less uh, three-fourths of uh, Afghanistan. Now, were you wounded in Afghanistan uh, during the jihad against uh, uh, Russia? Uh, yes, I twice went, but only to visit. Uh, I went into Ali Khail and, and into Host at that time, and it was beyond the call of duty. I didn't inform my government. I slipped out because I wanted to see things for myself. Both my sons, uh, and the older one, Umar and Abdullah, both were involved in that jihad uh, because they were at that time not married. They were young. They wanted to go. And I said, it's a damn good cause. You have to go. So I'm the kind of person that I commit myself to something uh, wholeheartedly and very honestly. Uh, I now, my position is that it's, it's rather, rather friendly to America if you come to think of it. But it is, they, they would not understand. When I say that, look, there was no need for you to attack Afghanistan, you wanted to disperse Al-Qaeda from there. Al-Qaeda is already gone from here. You have opened a new place for them to go, new grazing grounds in uh, Somalia, in Yemen, in uh, Central African Republic, uh, and more than anything else in Libya. So Al-Qaeda is not there. But when I say something which is in the interest of American people, they think that I'm the enemy of America. There are a lot of people in America who don't see eye to eye with the American policies, but they are not the enemies of America. Likewise, I'm not enemy of America. I wish them well. I, I help them become the sole superpower at one time. But uh, now I'm not even issued a visa. Can you imagine, Bonnie, that my grandson, the son of my daughter, he won the Fulbright scholarship a year and a half back, and he received uh, a letter of congratulation from President Obama himself. And he applied to several universities, got the admission, and then he applied for visa. A very recent age, just, just about three, three weeks back. But when he applied for visa, not only that the visa was rejected, but the Homeland Security called up the Fulbright people and told them that that his uh, scholarship should be cancelled. And his father earlier on, who had a multiple entry visa to America, he was called up by the American embassy here uh, three months back, and said, we need to check your passport. So he took this passport and they said, stamped, visa rejected, cancelled. I mean, the visa which had already been issued was cancelled. So they treat me like an enemy. This is nonsense. I mean, I'm a friend if I, I object to your policies, which are actually against the people of America. The history will be recorded. I can assure you this. I am a very humble student of history. One day the history will be recorded. Who destroyed America? Who pulled America down from its status of sole superpower of the world? It is the American policymakers. It's the dark impulse which runs through the neocons. And that what for it was done? And they would say it was done actually to satisfy the fears of Israel and to serve the ambitions of India. This is how this story will be written one day. Do you have any comment on Netanyahu's address to the U.S. House of Representatives at which he received numerous standing ovations? Yeah, there were no less than 25 standing ovations and everything because he had uh, insulted Obama when he talked about uh, 
1967 borders for creating both states, so Israel and, and Palestine, which was a which is very much workable. I mean, that's the only solution that one can find for peace in uh, in the Middle East. But the the way Netanyahu responded to that, and the way this uh, puppet, uh, it looked like Netanyahu's puppet standing up and uh, and admiring him. It, it I really, I, I felt ashamed. I don't know how the American people must have felt about this, but really, it was uh, like uh, mechanical men and women rising up and down, and in such a uh, manner, which which really makes one feel feel a bit of uh, shame about it. General Gould, is there anything else you would like to add about uh, the current situation in Pakistan? Well, yes, it's bad. Uh, undoubtedly, it's bad because of the American presence. There are two prime movers of uh, terrorism in the region. One is now the American and the ISAF presence, uh, NATO's presence in Afghanistan. And the other is the uh, state uh, um, terrorism in Kashmir, unleashed by India. These two have to go away if you want to see peace, and we deserve peace. We've had so much trouble in the past that we deserve peace to prevail in the region. It'll be good for India, it'll be good for Pakistan, for Afghanistan, for the rest of the world. So let's now work for peace. But for peace, you have to do, first of all, take Afghanistan. You have to talk to Taliban and not the peripheral Taliban, not the people who can break ranks with their leadership because they do so only to gain money. Uh, as you know, uh, one case in point is that a shopkeeper from Quetta sold himself to the American intelligence and the British intelligence. And talking of the intelligence failures, this is one of the most embarrassing. And uh, they, he collected $5 million, and he, he was not Mullah Akhtar Mansoor, as he purported to be. So uh, if they are talking to people like that, it is getting nowhere. They will have to talk directly to the opposition. And flag bearer of that opposition is Mullah Muhammad Umar. The sooner they realize, the better it is for them. So uh, after that, and we want that they should gracefully go out. As far as for relation of Pakistan with America are concerned, they can get back to normal and even more cordial than before if Americans decide to pull out and ask Pakistan to assist them, help them, and, uh, and not try and create a larger-than-life uh, role for uh, India in Afghanistan, because India is not a neighbor of Afghanistan, but China is a neighbor of Afghanistan. And if you give too much of a big role to China, which Americans will be so much reluctant to, then why are you giving a role to, to India? I mean, that, uh, that's not understandable. But a legitimate role for business, for development, that's acceptable. The other thing is that uh, uh, as soon as the Americans say that, okay, make, make up their mind that they're going and make an announcement to this regard, then I think there will be a meeting point because Pakistan, more than anything, uh, wants today the Americans to go out of the region. And uh, similarly, if the Americans go out, which will be in the interest of the American people, already I'm told that uh, almost 70% Americans are not in favor of this war. So it will be good for both the countries, and we'll find a meeting place, uh, meeting ground to move forward in our relationship. Secondly, I think if you want a lasting, durable peace, then the world community will have to find a democratic solution to the Kashmir problem. What the Kashmiris are asking for is a right of vote, and it has been guaranteed to them 
by the United Nations resolutions, and those resolutions still stand uh, as fresh as they were at the time when they were passed in 1949. So these two things have to be done. As far as Middle East is concerned, that's a different story. I don't like to comment on it, but the fact is that, again, justice has to be done. If you want peace, you have to come with justice, or modicum of justice at least. And once you have justice and peace, then development automatically takes place. This is how the cycle goes. And I wish uh, they heed to this kind of an advice from a humble man like me, um, who was once America's friend and now he's deemed to be the enemy of America. I'm not America's enemy. I can assure you once again that I'm a friend of America because I say the right thing. I call a spade a spade. And if that hurts them, it is bad for them, not for me. General Hamid Ghoul, thank you very much. Thank you, Bonnie. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much indeed. Very kind of you. Something happening here. Yeah, yeah. What it is ain't exactly clear. There's a man with a gun over there. I've been speaking with General Hamid Ghoul. Today's show has been The Way Forward for U.S.-Pakistan Relations. General Ghoul had a brilliant 36-year military career in the Pakistan Army and is now retired. The highest attainment of his long and distinguished career was his Command of Inter-Services Intelligence, ISI, from 1987 to 1989, during the fateful period of Afghan Jihad against the Soviet occupation of that country. He attended Staff College Camberley in the United Kingdom. As a young officer, he attended the U.S. Pacific Army's Intelligence School in Okinawa, Japan. General Ghoul faced down riot police when they tried to arrest him at a rally outside the Supreme Court in Islamabad, protesting against attempts to dismiss the Chief Justice. He has written hundreds of columns, mostly for Urdu Press of Pakistan, but also for the English readership within Pakistan and abroad. Visit his website at www. Dot General Hamidghoul.com. That's H A M I D G U L dot C O M. There is some information there in English. Guns and Butter is produced and edited by Bonnie Faulkner and Yara Mako. To make comments or order copies of shows, email us at blfaulkner at yahoo.com. That's B L F A U L K N E R at yahoo.com or call 510-848-6767 extension 628 visit our website at www.gunsandbutter.org that's g-u-n-s-a-n-d-b-u-t-t-e-r dot o-r-g hey yo these are some serious times that we live in G and our new world order is about to begin Are you ready for the real revolution, which is the evolution of the mind? If you seek, then you shall find that we all come from the divine. You dig what I'm saying? Now if you take heed to the words of wisdom that are written on the walls of life, then universally we will stand and divided we will fall because love conquers all. You understand what I'm saying? This is a call for all you sleeping souls. Wake up and take control of your own cipher. And be on the lookout for the spirit sniper trying to steal your life. You know what I'm saying? Look what decide yourself for peace. Give thanks, live life, and 
release. You dig me? 